Mayor, we are almost, we're ready now. Okay, I'm looking for visual on Commissioner Sellers here. Hey. Oh, I'm having some audio issues, so. Oh, it's working right now. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> I can hear you. Wonderful. That's all that matters. I was just joking. All right. I think I see everyone here. Um, I would like to Welcome everyone to the March 8th, 2022 City Commission meeting. Um, we are going to have an executive session, but first I'm going to take roll and let then let Sherry make some announcements. Um, Vice Mayor Larson. Here. Commissioner Finkeldy. Here. Commissioner Littlejohn. Here. Commissioner Sellers. Present. Uh, Mayor Shipley also here. Um, go ahead, Sherry, let us know what we need to know. Thank you, Mayor. Um, we do have an executive session on tonight's agenda. When the motion is made to recess into an executive session, the commission will leave this Zoom meeting and go into a separate Zoom meeting. When the time scheduled for the executive session has elapsed, the commission will return to this Zoom meeting and reconvene the regularly scheduled meeting. Thank you. Mayor Shipley, thank you, Sherry. Um, is there any motion? Um, I'll make the motion. This is Vice Mayor Larson. Um, prove, to, prove the motion to recess into executive session for approximately 30 minutes to discuss employer, employee negotiations pursuant to the employer, employee negotiations exception as set forth in KSA 75-4319B3. The justification for the executive session is to keep employer and employee negotiation matters confidential at this time. The city commission meeting will resume in its virtual format in accordance with resolution number 7388 at the conclusion of the executive session. Commissioner Sellers, I second. Mayor Shipley, I have a first and second. Vice Mayor Larson? Aye. Commissioner Sellers? Aye. Commissioner Fingle Dye? Aye. Commissioner Littlejohn? Aye. Um, Mayor Shipley, aye. That passes five to zero. We will now go into executive session for 30 minutes. Mayor Shibley, uh, uh, Sherry, let me know when it's the appropriate time to begin. We want to make a motion to extend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can go ahead, Mayor, anytime. Okay, Mayor Shibley, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and take roll. Um, uh, Commissioner Finkeldy? Here. Commissioner Sellers? Present. Mayor Shipley present, that's um, three of five. Um, do I have a motion? This is Commissioner Sellers. I move that we extend the executive session 
10 minutes. Second. Mayor uh, Shipley, I have a first and second. Uh, Commissioner Sellers? Aye. Commissioner Fingledye? Aye. Mayor Shipley, aye. We will return in approximately 10 minutes. Mayor, we're ready when you are. I got one more minute on my device here, so I just want to be sure we don't leave anybody out in the public there. Um, Mayor Shipley, um, again, this is the uh, Tuesday, March 8, 2022 City Commission meeting. We have returned from an executive session with an extension, and we have nothing to report. Um, I do want to go ahead and do roll call here. Vice Mayor, oh no, where'd she go? Oh, Vice Mayor Larson. Here. Uh, Commissioner Finkeldye. Here. Commissioner Littlejohn. Here. Commissioner Sellers. Present. Mayor Shipley also present. Um, uh, next, I would like to go ahead and go back and let Porter uh, give us our, our opening explanations of, of what to expect in our meetings. Thank you, Mayor. Good evening, everyone. Um, I just have a few housekeeping items for this Zoom meeting tonight. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting unless you are speaking. The chat function for the meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating in the meeting, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. Please remember to state your name each time you speak for the benefit of those listening remotely. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And now I'll turn the meeting back over to Mayor Shipley. Thank you, Porter. Um, now I will let Sherry give us some also some other announcements. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I just want to remind commissioners and staff uh, to please uh, state their name and title each time they speak. Uh, when a motion is made, uh, the mayor will call on commissioners individually to provide their vote, then announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. When the mayor calls for in-person public comment, individuals should raise their hand to indicate they wish to speak. Staff present will direct you to the podium to speak. Please state your name before speaking and comments will be limited to three minutes. Individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise hand function to indicate they wish to speak. The raise hand function may appear in different places on your Zoom menu depending on the device you are using and which version of Zoom you have. Individuals will be called upon by name in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. When you are called on, please unmute and state your name. And again, comments will be limited to three minutes. 
Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Sherry. Um, let's move on to approve the agenda. City Commissioner reserves the right to amend, supplement, or reorder the agenda during the meeting. Do I have any motions? Commissioner Finkel, I move to approve the agenda. Commissioner Sellers, I second. Mayor Shipley, I have a first and a second. Commissioner Finkeldye? Aye. Commissioner Sellers? Aye. Vice Mayor Larson? Aye. Commissioner Littlejohn? Aye. Mayor Shipley, aye. That passes five to zero. Um, next is our consent agenda. All matters listed on the consent agenda are considered under one motion and will be approved by one motion. There will be no separate discussion on those items. If discussion is desired, that item will be removed from the consent agenda and will be considered separately. Members of the public wishing to speak to an item that has been pulled off the consent agenda will be limited to three minutes for comments. Are there any items commissioners are interested in removing from the consent agenda? Right now. Can you hear? I'm not seeing anyone. Oh, Commissioner Larson's moving. Nope, doesn't seem like it. Okay, <laughs> sorry, Vice Mayor Larson. Um, uh, Sherry, is there anyone there in the in the room who appears to be interested in pulling something from the consent agenda item? No, Mayor. And is there anyone online on Zoom who is interested in removing something from the consent agenda? I'm not seeing anything. Um, with that, um, I would accept any motions. This is Vice Mayor Larson. I move to approve the consent agenda. It's Commissioner Littlejohn, I second. Mayor Shipley, Vice Mayor Larson. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm first and a second, Vice Mayor Larson. Aye. <clears throat> uh, Commissioner Littlejohn. Aye. Commissioner Fingledye. Aye. Commissioner Sellers. Aye. Mayor Shipley, aye. That passes five to zero. <clears throat> Sorry, everyone. Um, we can move on to public comment. The public is allowed to speak on items or issues that are not scheduled for discussion on the agenda. As a general practice, the commission will not discuss or debate these items, nor will the commission make decisions on items presented during that time. Individuals should address all comments and questions to the commission. Each person will be limited to three minutes. Uh, Sherry, is there someone there in the room? Yes, there is. Go right ahead. My name is Michael. I've been up here a number of times talking about other things tonight. In light of the arrest last week of David Shane Williams and Jonathan Gardner, both former officers who committed their crimes on duty and Jane Gibson's resignation from the CPRB, which I believe was her way to protest the direction it's being taken. It's frustrating to see her leave. The continued decline in transparency note, noted online by the scanner groups. Let's remember why there's distrust. History has taught us to distrust the Lawrence Police Department. Let's talk about certification revocations. Lawrence Police Department has had five revocations in the last six, seven years. In that same amount of time, they have upheld five and a half citizen complaints out of 39. So there were 39 citizens complaints brought forward, five and a half of them upheld. And in that same time, five officers lost their ability to be a cop because of their behavior. 
there are three more revocations coming. I'll let you guys figure out who those are, but one of those officers was dog kennel, sadomasochism, really? We have officers like that on our police force. You guys put these people out here to patrol us. They have guns, they have tasers, they have the ability to take our freedom and throw us in jail. They also have that ability to play that little game. You may beat the case, but you'll still do the time. How many times do indigent citizens still do the time because a bad cop decided they didn't like them? We wanna talk about why citizens don't come forward to report the rape. I saw a comment on the Lawrence Journal World that was criticizing the female accusing Jonathan Gardner of rape. Let's remember that during the same time that this cop was walking around free, thinking he had gotten away with this, LPD chose to charge an actual rape victim with making false reports. And we're supposed to trust. We've, given, we've been given no reason to trust the LPD. They've shown us no reason to trust. In the same amount of time that LPD has had a total of eight different revocations, Douglas County has had one in a decade. And it was for something that happened at home. KUPD has not lost a single officer because of something like this. Yet Lawrence, it happens almost annually here recently. And more often than citizen complaints are sustained. The OPA process is broken and you guys are gonna water it down and give us more LPD involvement in the citizens review process. The citizens review board needs Fine. to be an independent review and it's up to you to codify it. Thank you. Uh, Sherry, is there anyone else there in city hall? No public comment. No. We're here for F1. Not related to an agenda item. Okay. Something totally different. If it has, if it's not on the agenda, you can comment now. If it's an agenda item, you would comment on it at the time that item is heard. It's an ARC item and a few other things, but I can wait. Till... Is it an item that's already scheduled on the agenda? I'm still working it over. Okay. Can you tell me what it is regarding? Say it again. What is it that you're wanting to discuss? And I can help determine if it's on the agenda. Oh, okay. Do you have also, any idea? She wants to know what it's regarding so she can decide whether it's on the agenda or not. Well, it's um, my experience and ideas that might go into the art program. Oh, the art program. Okay. Want. Well, then you will be able to talk about it at that point. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, Sherry, now is there anyone online who's interested in making general public comment? Chris Flowers. Hi, this is Chris Flowers, and I'd just kind of like to echo the the first commenter's sentiments. Um, I also saw the post by one of the community scanner pages. I mean, it w people in Lawrence do want transparency, and I think it's time that we have, like, the body cams on the cops need to be on all the time. Um, I don't think we should let the cops be controlling when the cameras turn on and off and, like, the public's access to them. Um, also, I'm that, that 
post I saw from the social media about from the community scanner, it was bitching about how the cops no longer are giving out addresses, I guess, over dispatch. And I think the reason was because people were showing up to record them. And the reason people were showing up to record them is because, I mean, the public doesn't trust what the process. I mean, if they show up to record, then, I mean, the public's guaranteed to have footage of what's going on. But if you guys would just make the cops have their cameras on all the time, then there wouldn't be a need for the public to be showing up to bother the police. So I think it's just, it's past time we have the cameras on and that the cops aren't the ones in charge of the footage. Um, I mean, there's that. I mean, it's a can. I, I know it could be a can of worms, but I, I honestly think it's something the city can do, and I think it's something the police will go along with as long as it's done, you know, responsibly and with some common sense. But I, I think it's time you all at least try to get the ball moving on this. I mean, it's when did this whole thing start? Back in when Ananda was mayor, and that's been what two mayors ago now, I think. I don't know, just throwing my thoughts out, but I think it's, I mean, the public wants something to be done. So thank you. Mayor, no one else has indicated they want to provide general public comment. All right, thank you very much. Um, then let's move on to our next item or regular agenda item number one. Consider adopting resolution number 7414, establishing an additional date and time for an employee election for certain positions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that might be Sherry doing that for us here. Uh, yes, Mayor. Uh, Sherry Riedemann, City Clerk. So this is a resolution establishing an additional date and time for an election for the employee group six. Um, this was before you at the last meeting and was deferred. Um, the... Um, the resolution would set that date and time um, for... Sorry, let me pull up the notice excuse me i requested to be involved with public comment uh hold, hold on one second mr watts let me um thank you go back to my um city clerk here i can't see her if you mute yourself i'll try to get that worked out here Okay, sorry, Mayor. We did not see a hand raised or any notice of comment. Um, do you want to facilitate that when we're done with this item, or do you want to do that now and then start new? Um, well, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see him either at the time. Um, uh, it is only three minutes, so let's do that, and then um, we'll we'll proceed. I appreciate that effort, Mayor. I didn't know I needed to raise my hand given that I had sent in the information to participate and was given my notice to show up for the Zoom meeting. Uh, specifically, I had to list what I wanted to talk about. So uh, not taking away from my three minutes, I'd like a clarification. Are you supposed to raise your hand or not? 
This is Sherry Reedman, City Clerk. We do direct that people raise their hand because sometimes they decide not to provide comment even though they've registered for comment. And it is not required that you list the item you speak to. Some individuals choose to participate just by viewing through Zoom, not providing well, comment. It, I'm sorry, it doesn't say that. It's rather demanding stating that you need to list what you're going to talk about. But irrespective, I appreciate the opportunity uh, I have to disagree with Mr. Flowers, who I generally am quite in agreement with. This matter with the police department has been going on well before Ananda. This was going on when, uh, what's his name? I've now forgotten it. The guy after Corliss, Tom Marcus. And when the first Citizens Review Board was established and it was nothing but a bunch of hoo-ha and water. And uh, I've given all of you information in relation to uh, the correspondence that I had with uh, City Manager Marcus. And I'd also like to know from what Porter Arneal has said that they can, you can mute and take away if something is distracting. Is that written down? What is distracting? Because it needs to be written down and made specific about what you cannot do. Next. Lawrence, Kansas, the small place that it is. We had a police chief who had retired who went into his backyard and fired a handgun several times, a hand cannon. No reports were ever filed, nothing ever happened. Nobody knows anything about why that occurred. We've got police people who are locking up other police people in dog cages for their own sexual interests. The ticket fixing scandal, which uh, we fired our first black manager, only to be followed by the firing of the second black manager in Tide Lawrence Police Department. And we still don't know why Chief Burns was uh, electronically lynched and sent out of town. Black Lives Matter, oh yeah, right, for a day. Um, the ticket fixing scandal was uh, quite a thing. How are all of these, we, do we remember the ticket fixing scandal when we got rid of the, 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 that, 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 that terrible black man? I sure hope we do. Um, how is it that a single department in a small town like Lawrence, Kansas has so many problems and so many issues that nobody addresses inside government. It doesn't make any sense. We've got police officers who shoot each other at their club, which the town pays to utilize the shooting range. There is no standardized response time in the Lawrence Police Department. The city gate study was a joke done by a bunch of hack police people who just wanted a paycheck. And hopefully you're beginning to see that. Uh, the police threaten citizens with arrest simply for observing. And I'm now learning that you don't have to go away as long as you're not bothering them and talking to them. And it, it, it just, it, it's, it's, it's time just incredible. We've got police officers that shot a guy claiming they were using a, a, a taser. It was a pistol. Thank you, Mr. Watts. It was a pistol. Thank you. 
ma'am, three minutes is insufficient to have these kinds of dialogue. And I would like to know when we are going to have an open dialogue about these things and not just sweep them under the rug, please. Thank you, Mr. Watts. Sherry, are you prepared? Uh, yes, Mayor, thank you. So this item is um, resolution 7414. This was before you on um, the first and it was deferred. Um, this sets the date and time for an additional election for certain employees and employee group six. Um, there were, um, there was questions about which employees would be in this group on the first day of, um, of voting for this group. And so we're adding, this resolution would add an additional day to allow for those eligible employees to vote. Um, there is um, an action uh, that we have to adopt it as is, but we also have, if you wanted to choose um, to include all employees of employee group six who did not cast a ballot on those first two days of the election, you could, uh, we have recommended language for that. And then I believe Zach is also going to share some information about the eligible employees. Yes, this is Zach Ferdell, Assistant City Attorney. Um, based on a review by the city, uh, the position of project inspector has been reclassified as a professional position and members of that classification will not be eligible to vote in the additional date of voting set by resolution 7414. So as written, there are three positions that will be eligible to vote on Tuesday, March 22nd. Uh, they are GIS analyst, plans examiner, and water quality lab technician. And employees can expect to receive communication from human resources and the city clerk with more information before the voting time. Thank you. Mayor Shipley, um, is that everything? Sherry, do you have anything else to say? No, Mayor. Obviously, if you all have any questions. Great, thank you. Commissioners, any uh, questions for staff? This is Commissioner Finkeldey. Um, Zach, we've had some um, correspondence from lab technicians, um, water lab technicians, asking that they be excluded. Um, from this group as professionals. First, what's your um, what's the city's position on that? And then second, well, let's, let's answer that question first. Uh, this is Zach Pradell, Assistant City Attorney. Uh, Commissioner Finkelheit, this is a administrative decision that HR looks at for each position within the city, which group they belong in and which, and whether they are classified as professional or not. And uh, they've we've determined that that is not a professional position. Commissioner Finkeldie. So if we do proceed, have them in this vote and that group would like to make a request to be removed from the group, what, what is the, is there a process for that? And if so, what is it? Uh, Commissioner Finkeldie, this is Zach Friedel, Assistant City Attorney. There are a couple ways that uh, the group could potentially change through the process. So this is a vote to organize a group that would then go through a negotiation process to create a memorandum of understanding. That is the contract that would govern the employees within the group. 
if during the negotiations, the uh, employees requested to be removed, that is something that could be considered and uh, part of the negotiation process, if it was agreed upon by Teamsters in the city, they could be removed before the MOU is finalized and brought before the city commission for ratification. Additionally, there is a grievance process that uh, if they weren't removed before the MOU was finalized, uh, it's, it's possible that they could uh, grieve the issue and be removed at a later date. Commissioner Finglai, thank you. That helps. Mayor Shipley, any other questions for staff from commissioners? Not seeing anything. Um, let's go ahead and do public comments. Sherry, is there anyone in there in the room interested in public comment on this item? Yes, Mayor. Thank you, Madam Mayor, Commissioners, Mike Scribner, Teamsters Local 696. We agree with the project inspectors being excluded from the group as professionals. We'd also like for you to take a look at GIS analysts. The last meeting, Mr. Woods uh, spoke and said he was speaking for all the GIS analysts and uh, believed that he made a good argument uh, not to be in the bargaining unit. And uh, Commissioner Finkeldye spoke about the water lab technician. Um, we don't believe that that's that they're cor correctly classified in this in, in this bargaining unit. We believe they should be in the current bargaining unit we're in negotiations with uh, Group Five. We've got people. Uh, matter of fact, one of the stewards that's uh, at the table. Uh, works right next to these water lab technicians. If they stay in a bargaining unit, we believe it should be group five. And uh, to follow up a little bit on what, what Zach is saying, uh, uh, the commission has, has the ability to exclude these people now. And, and if that's uh, what you wish to do, uh, we would support that decision. One last thing. Um, I would like to, to remind the commission that we have a group of 17 that may not have had the opportunity because of the snow day and the, the early closure. We would like for them to participate in the vote. Thank you for your time. I know that was a lot quicker than my last times. Thanks. Have a good evening. Thank you. Sherry, is there anyone else there? Oh, I see someone. Hello. Thank you for letting me talk. This is Dale from uh, Teamsters International. One thing about the thing, um, Finkelstein, he said, if they're gonna be excluded, they need to be excluded before the vote because they could determine the outcome of a vote. I don't know how many are, four or five people. They can out, out uh, if they vote for this group six, and then later on you wanna exclude them, that's not fair. They should be excluded before the, before we have another vote. That's all I'm saying. Thank you. That's all the comment here in the room, Mayor. Um, is there anyone online interested in commenting on this item? I'm not seeing anyone, Mayor. Let's do one last call. Anyone, anyone online on the Zoom that's interested in commenting on this item? 
Okay, let's go ahead and bring it back to the commission for discussion. Um, sorry, Com Commissioner Finkeldye, my concern was that regardless of the outcome of the election, that, that this particular group that doesn't consider themselves the, uh, part of this job description of this group or don't identify with this group, that if we keep them in this um, through the election, that they will have to go through a couple layers of bureaucracy um, to um, make their case. And I, I guess I'm not sure I understand why we should put them through that if they don't identify with this group. Commissioner Finkel, that was that question for me or for staff? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, well, it was something you brought up. I just wondered what, what your uh, thoughts were about it. I don't feel like I can, I don't feel like I should take into account what the election outcome is, but I do want to take into account um, a large group that doesn't feel they are classified in this way. Commissioner Finkel, I, well, I would add that you know, from last week and from the Teamsters comment, the GIS analysts might also fall in that category. And I guess the the part I'm struggling with is like, you know, we have a resolution that defines certain things and, and we allow the city to, def, you know, just define those things. When is that decision made? Is that decision made by us on the fly you know, during meetings, or is that made administratively or through the negotiation process? So, um, I think I understand from um, staff, from what Zach's comments were, that they think that should be handled administratively, not, you know, making decisions here from the dais on those groups. Um, and I think, though, I certainly understand your concern. Commissioner Shipley, as well as the Teamsters concerned, but I also understand that um, position as well. Um, when is the right time to make that decision? And I guess I'm not, I'm, I'm open to the conversation. I'm just not sure right now from the dais is the right time to make that decision. Other commissioners, comments? This is Commissioner Summers. I, I guess this I'm, you know, Mr. Scribner brought up the um, water quality lab text and the possibility or the lot. He didn't share logic, and I don't know if he'd be willing to share that of them being in group five. And as far as procedurally, what what I don't want to get ahead of myself. I guess let me first start. I'd be curious to know Mr. Scribner's um, rationale for the lab techs being in group five and if that was something that he noticed prior to or just or just a realization after review that they're not in the correct group. I, I'm kind of spinning my head about that. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Sillers. I, 
I think it's important for the commission to understand we didn't realize these 16 people were even even existed until about four weeks ago. Uh, now we know that and and through discussions with some of them, we're realizing I have, I'm in negotiations with group five currently. I can't speak about what's going on there, but I can tell you, I have a steward that works right next to these lab technicians. And Mike, immediately when I heard that, I'm questioning, why are they not in group five? Why are they even in group six? I hope that answered your question, ma'am. This, this Commissioner Sellers, it, it gives me a thought. I I almost feel like I've, I've pulled a thread and now the sweater is unraveling here. So I'm just trying to make sense of where we stand on this from the administrative piece and moving forward with this resolution. So. Any other comments from commissioners? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll throw something out. Um, I, I have on more than one occasion when something has been called administrative um, in, in other situations, um, not with unions per se, um, what I also sometimes interpret as not having very much transparency. So um, I, my concern is that we're here in this particular position to make decisions. And um, of course, I understand the importance of flexibility and administrative uh, decisions. We can't make every little decision up here, but um, sometimes we, we do need to actually make a decision. So um, that's my little pushback. <laughs> Commissioner Finkel die on our uh, discussion. And uh, as you know, I'm always um, happy for you to um, push, push me back to the middle a little bit <laughs> when I make when I make a strong comment like that. Commissioner Finkel, I, I would say I don't necessarily disagree with your thesis there. But um, I guess going back to my earlier point, that that decision per se is not, for example, you know, if, if I was making that decision, I, I would want more information in front of me from staff and from your know, job descriptions and all those things that I don't have in front of me nor are presented tonight. Um, and so that's what I mean by, you know, when is this decision made? I mean, when we passed this resolution, we created the seven groups you know, we had the numbers in each group, we had classifications in each group, we made that kind of decision. It would seem to me that if we were going to re rework some of that, we would do so as part of resolution 7312, not as part of a resolution to approve a vote. And I guess um, that's, that's where I'm landing on that at the moment, but I'm also open to discussion on that as well. What thoughts, other thoughts on that? So if I understand, this is Commissioner Sellers, by the way. So Commissioner Finkel died. What I'm hearing is that some of the things that were presented with this evening 
and that have been discussed this evening speaks more to the governing resolution and not necessarily the not the resolution that we are here to vote for tonight and so to move before to move forward with that if we it wouldn't you have ap apprehension about moving forward with that which I, I see the logic in and that I think we're using the wrong avenue to to address an issue that may be need may mean that we need to go back to the original resolution to discuss because it's not in the correct context. Commissioner Figla, yes, that's that's what I'm thinking. And, and one of the reasons I ask um, staff and Zach, what other options these groups would have administratively? And then I think another option would be uh, an opening up of resolution 7312 for that discussion uh, but I, I think there's some other options available to them. But yes, I don't think the vote before us is to, you know, set the set the vote for a particular date. Um, so I guess that's where I'm leaning that this is not the right, as you said, the right avenue or time for that discussion. Yeah, this is Vice Mayor Larson. I, I would I would agree with that. Uh, it seems like we're pre this is a per pretty narrow decision tonight although it could have some big ramifications more broadly. Um, so it's a matter of do we move forward with this or do we uh, defer this and, and go back and parse out the groups of that group, group six, since we've had so, many, so much um, correspondence from the various potential members uh, about their uh, not wanting to potentially get into the, to the group or be part of the union. Commissioner Finkelai, and yeah, I know that's one of the reasons I deferred last week to get some more information on that. Um, but the pushback last week was that we have a half voted on, <laughs> you know, deal. So again, I guess I, I think we, you know, we probably go ahead and proceed with the resolution for us tonight, see what happens, and then, you know, both administratively and otherwise, and then consider a later type time if we think we need to reopen 7312. Either our employees are asking us to do that, we decide to do it ourselves, the team's just ask us to do that. I think there's a you know lots of lots of options there, but I think we move ahead probably with where we're at today and uh, take it up at another time, more appropriate time. Commissioner Little John and I yes. We're obviously very hesitant, all of us, about this. Um, none of us are really leaping forward on this. Um, so um, to follow up with what uh, Vice Mayor Larson uh, said before, our focus is pretty narrow tonight, Commissioner Finkel die to go ahead and finish the vote through on this measure since it's about halfway through. But um, what he said earlier about 70 through 12 uh, might be viable given um, the circumstances around this. This is Commissioner Sellers. I appreciate Commissioner Littlejohn's comments. I would push back a little bit as far as the hesitation with moving forward. I think the issue at hand is whether or not to move forward with the resolution for the vote for group six. I think a lot of the discussion points from that fall back to the, in my interpretation, 
falls back to the resolution 7312. And so we're not gonna be able to solve issues tonight relating to resolution 7312 under the umbrella of resolution 7414. So um, I, I do have some angst in the sense that I there's some opportunities as what Commissioner Finkeldy said to open up 7312 and see what we whether there's an amendment that needs to be done or how do we go in to um, address some of the concerns that have come from this process um, that has led us to resolution 7414, but it's not necessarily something that's gonna be solved tonight. Um, Mayor Shipley, I want to make sure that we're um, being clear uh, in the memo. We're also being asked about um, uh, uh, the opportunity for people who may have missed the vote due to inclement weather and cancellation of work in the memo here. It, it's uh, wants to staff wants to be sure that we're clear on what we want to do with that. So I make sure I'm hearing from all the commissioners on their opinion of um, uh, leaving that time open to anyone who hasn't voted. If I understand the premise. Commissioner Littlejohn, um, and. Uh, I would also ask uh, to Sherry, um, have, have we received any sort of um, correspondence or information to the fact um, from any persons that might have missed that vote uh, wanting to have that additional day? This is Sherry Riedemann, City Clerk. And when we sent the notice to employees of the change on the Thursday vote to Friday, um, we included in that notice to um, contact uh, my office directly if they had any conflicts because we wanted to make sure that we made accommodations for the vote and no one reached out to our office, um, letting us know that they had any issues voting. In addition to that, we also, you know, since that time, haven't received anything and reached out to uh, supervisors just to see if they had heard anything or thought that anyone had missed a vote. So to date, we have, we have heard nothing from employees that they were not able to make the voting, the first two voting days. Commissioner Littlejohn, thank you, Sherry. Appreciate it. This is Vice Mayor Larson. With that information, I would be fine with not including that additional language. Let's see if any other commissioners would be thinking along that line. Commissioner Littlejohn, I would I would be along with that. Commissioner Finkelstein, I think I would add that um, at least myself has also not received any comments. We've received comments from a lot of people dissatisfied with this process, but that's not one complaint um, I received. So based upon not only Sherry's comments, but the lack of comments, at least to me, and maybe if any commissioners receive something, that'd be, let me know. But uh, I, I would agree. I think they've had, the op they've had the opportunity. I feel good about that. Mayor Shipley, um, that's three, so that's good. But I, I will um, say it, it does uh, not sit fantastically with me that on in principle, many of us spend a lot of energy making sure people can vote in advance. 
and normal elections and by mail and any of the uh, kind of restrictions that are consistently imagineered uh, for a democratic election. So just in general, um, any opportunities that are given to people to vote, um, I'm okay with. An, an extra day of voting does not hurt anyone that I can anticipate. Um, so that that um, would have been fine with me, but I'm, I'm hearing three commissioners, so I won't belabor the point. Make a comment. That's at the mayor's discretion. Um, I'm I'm hearing an an amount of consensus. Am I hearing a motion? This is Vice yeah. Mayor Larson. I'll make a motion. Um, a, a move to adopt resolution number seven four one four. Commissioner Finkel, I second. Commissioner Finkel, I second. I don't know if you heard that. Oh, sorry. Um, Mayor Shipley, I have a first and a second. Uh, Vice Mayor um, Larson. Aye. Commissioner Finkel, Aye. Commissioner Little Don. Aye. Uh, Commissioner Sellers. Nay. Mayor Shipley, nay. That passes three to two. Uh, we can move on now to item number two. If I can get my device to work here, uh, which is to receive a presentation from the Director of Communications and Creative Resources. Thank you, Mayor. Good evening, everybody. Um, this is Porter Arneal, Director of Communications and Creative Resources. And bear with me a second. I am going to share my screen. Okay, uh, Porter Arneal, Director of Communications and Res Creative Resources and also the Commitment Champion for Community Engagement. And tonight I'm just gonna provide a, um, an overview of everything that we do related to communications, creative resources and community engagement. First, I wanna introduce my rock star staff. Um, Maureen Brady is our brand manager, um, handles many, many, many tasks, primarily in the communications realm. She oversees the city's social media accounts. Um, she assists with other social media accounts. She works on the Lawrence Listen survey platform and, and too many things to mention, but she's terrific. Kevin Powell, um, this is a photo of how we usually see Kevin. Um, he is our web content administrator and most often he is sitting in front of those two screens um, administering the, uh, the website. He handles pretty much everything with our entire website. Um, also the intranet and he assists all the departments with both content and functionality, ongoing maintenance. And he's actually been working <clears throat> a lot recently with uh, Evan Corinta related to accessibility. 
the illustrious Kurt Henning, um, who you all know well, um, the man behind the curtain, the man who's making all this work. Um, he has for two years now been broadcasting more than 20 meetings a month. Um, so he does a great job in making sure that all of these meetings are open publicly and virtually and um, soon to be hybrid. Uh, Taylor Ma is a recent addition to our team. He is our media specialist. He's the guy that's making those terrific outcome videos that you guys have been seeing. He works closely with Maureen on the script side of that and is doing a great job in photography. And Taylor actually is the person who initiated our city Instagram account and is providing such beautiful photographs um, of things going on in our city. Melody Henning is the communications administrative specialist. Um, again, Rockstar does all sorts of great things, helps with budget. She's helping me with contracts and the TGT grant program and many other things. So she's been a great addition to our team. And we are in process of recruiting for the engagement manager position. Um, I'll speak more to that, but basically we hope to have somebody on board as soon as possible. And then that person will be working on an overarching community engagement plan for the city. That said, I just wanna be clear, we are implementing community engagement efforts um, currently um, actually, Maureen and Melody have both been helping me in that front as well as our community engagement team. So um, that's not stalling anything at this point. And in addition to that, we work with another great tier of rock stars who are the communications people in these various realms. Um, we meet monthly with this group. Um, we talk about marketing efforts, communications. We share resources and um, learnings from each other. Uh, very supportive group and um, real pleasure working with this terrific team. And many of the folks on this team are also serving in the community, engage, community engagement side of things. So we meet with a lot of these people um, a, a couple of times a month for that purpose as well. And a great resource for people. And on the community engagement side, numerous of those folks have been trained through our International Association of Public Participation Program. So um, eager to learn about, you know, best practices and community engagement efforts. And please feel free to stop me if you have questions. So here's what we do on the communications side. That means the website, <coughs> news releases, um, social media, media relations, uh, emergency communications and public information, marketing and brand, video production, video broadcast, photography and graphics, uh, the newsletter, the flame newsletter and util utility billing inserts when we have them, uh, a variety of print materials, which happily has not been um, keeping us busy during COVID, but we plan to get back into that realm. We also assist with a print bid. So we coordinate things with the entire city on that level. Um, the intranet, Kevin also works on the intranet, which is our internal web uh, site for staff. Uh, Lawrence listens both on the reporting and survey side. We, as you saw, some of you know, we assist with speeches and talking points when we are needed. And uh, we are also overseeing the community satisfaction survey with ETC. And I'll speak a little bit more about that um, shortly. Um, as well as internal services, I mentioned news, print and video internally. Um, we also handle the creative resources side of things, which is primarily in this realm under, you know, arts and culture programming. Uh, you'll see the note on my slide there saying transitioning to unmistakable identity. Um, I'm working with Derek Rogers and we're having conversations about how things can shift under his watch and under that um, outcome area in the strategic plan. These things include um, various arts programs 
the Outdoor Downtown Sculpture Exhibition, the Public Art Program, Mural Review, the Phoenix Awards, Community Arts Grants are some of the longstanding programs under the Cultural Arts Commission. Uh, this year, we also um, received an NEA uh, subgrant for the American Rescue Plan funds, which is in process. And we also received a Kansas Creative Arts Industries Commission grant, which is allowing us to create a newer program called Art and Culture Crossings. Um, this was very helpful when TGT funds were very limited. And so we're working on a program that's a broader approach to public art beyond just sculpture that can dovetail with the down, outdoor downtown sculpture exhibition. Alicia Kelly um, was hired to initiate that and she's working on that and doing a great job for us. We also oversee the transient guest tax program and the TGT grant advisory board. Um, we also are, I actually, I serve as the liaison for the Lawrence Cultural Arts Commission, Sister Cities Lawrence, Explore Lawrence, and Downtown Inc. as well. And those are all in some way, shape, or form going to work on transitioning that under unmistakable identity. We are also overseeing community engagement. As I mentioned, I'm the commitment champion for community engagement. Um, this is our promise to listen, share, and engage with our community to drive action and build trust in city government. Um, at the core of this is a promise to um, work at certain levels of engagement and make promises as to what level we're working. So we are either informing, consulting, involving, collaborating, or empowering. This is based on, as I mentioned, the International Association of Public Participation's um, guide and resource for this effort. Um, so these are the promises we make to the community at these engagement levels. At the inform level, we will keep you informed. At the consult level, we will keep you informed, listen and acknowledge concerns and aspirations and provide feedback on how public input influence the decision. At the involved level, level, our promise is to work with you to ensure that your concerns and aspirations are directly reflected in the alternatives developed and provide feedback on how public input influenced the decision. At the collaborate level, we will look to you for advice and innovation and in formulating solutions and incorporate your advice and recommendations into the decisions to the maximum extent possible. And at the empower level, we will implement what you decide as a community that would be like a vote. Um, just a reference point, there's much more to this, but this is sort of the core of uh, what we're working on the engagement level based on the IP, IAP2 structure. And hopefully you're all aware that we have a community engagement dedicated web page. Um, this is what the page looks like. Um, there's a link down here, which is on the PDF, which is attached to this agenda item. As you can see, what we're doing is creating individual portals for each active community engagement area that we're working on. So here we have the climate action plan. Here is the Jayhawk watershed. Here's the land development code update. There's um, six more community engagements currently going on. What's great about this is anybody interested in community engagement or a specific project can always refer to this page to see what's going on. They can click these buttons for more information and learn more about the project. If there are meetings scheduled, typically uh, many of these start with a, um, a video which helps explain what the project is about. Um, and that way people can, at the very least, just glean information about what this situation is all about and how they can participate if they'd like to. 
uh, ref, whoops, sorry, reference the website. Uh, LawrenceKS.org is our primary tool that we use to communicate with residents. Uh, we work with each city department and they maintain content within the site. Um, we oversee the use development of web application services, formatting, functionality, design, and maintenance. Uh, we're also committed to providing a website that is accessible to the widest audience possible, and we continually work to improve our standards in that way. Uh, for news and media releases or information about board and commission meetings, any other notifications, people can go online and sign up to receive emails um, through the su subscription service that we have through MailChimp. Um, so anything that anybody's interested in, they can click on that link and um, find information about the variety of web links that we have for subscriptions of any interest that somebody might have. On the multimedia pro production and broadcast side, um, as you know and mentioned with Kurt, we have live video. Um, people can view live streaming video of all public meetings at our live link and at our YouTube page. Another thing that many people aren't aware of is that Kurt also extracts the audio of these meetings and puts them on SoundCloud. And I know of a couple of people that will sometimes listen into public meetings while they're on their commute um, to hear what was going on. So yet another way that people can access our public meeting information. And of course, all of our video projects are uploaded to our YouTube page and archived there as well. So people can go back and see um, historic projects and videos there as well. And this is our main page. You can see the information on the side here, news, events, city commission, advisory boards, payments, jobs, and then list of the various things that are going on in the city. People can click on this side for offices. And we put different sliders up depending on what's active at any given time. So we try to make this as accessible as possible for people. And I wanted to point this out. If you go to the bottom of all of our web pages, there are these um, links for contacts, service requests, website support, accessibility, our privacy pro policy and employee emails. And in addition to that, you can click on this link and go to any of these. I believe there's nine different languages available. So people can actually translate the web page into these different languages. And of course, if somebody else wanted a different language, I'm sure we can add that to this list. This is a, uh, a plug-in functionality in WordPress that we can add to the website. And just uh, referencing the uh, our, our web page, City Communications and Creative Resources, things are listed here. We are in the process of working on, one thing we realize is we're doing a lot of external communications in a variety of ways. So we have media releases. We have many, many social media platforms, um, different ways that, that information is getting out, but not everybody can access all of those platforms. So we're actually exploring ways that we can add social media platforms platforms to our web page so that if you're not a member of Facebook, you can actually go on that web page and see the different activities that we're doing and or Twitter. I think those two, we're pretty sure we can get on that page. So we're always looking for ways that we can share more information about not just what we're doing, but how we're, how we're sharing that information so people can see that as well, even if they're not, say, active on social media. And of course, Channel 25 is our government access television station that Kurt broadcasts to and puts content on on a rotating basis, information about what the city is up to. Uh, we have publications. 
um, that go out. Parks and Rec does a, a annual publication. Roger hasn't been doing that during COVID, but I think we'll get back to those types of things as well. Um, and then of course the city newsletter, The Flame, I'm always very pleased when I get an email or call from people who are dedicated flame readers. We, we actually have quite a few and I really appreciate that. Um, so we have the print version of the flame, which is tied to utility billing, which means it's on a very specific schedule. Um, so it's, it's challenging for us to print um, a lot of content that isn't, doesn't exist during one month period. Uh, Maureen did a great job and has developed an online version of the flame, which has all of the articles in the print version. Um, but also then we can be a little more agile and add content to the online version at different times that may have a broader time capacity. Um, we did this, you know, we know that students and others may not receive that utility bill and they may not receive the flame. So we did the online version for those people who might be interested in learning more about the city that way. Um, and then we also promote this through social media. Um, and again, people can click on the live link here to see past issues of the flame if they'd like. Uh, whoops. Uh, social media, I've listed all of our accounts here. So we have 11 Facebook accounts. We have five Twitter accounts. We have an Instagram account. We have a Nextdoor account. We have a LinkedIn account. We have a YouTube account and a SoundCloud account. Um, for everybody's benefit, I've listed how many followers we have for each of these accounts. Um, as I said, we manage the city accounts and then Lawrence Douglas County Fire Medical manages their account, parks and recreation, et cetera. But you can see that, you know, just by the amount of subscribers we have, we're communicating with a lot of people through these accounts. And we're always looking for ways to make sure we're cross-pollinating um, information when necessary. So we'll share information through our City of Lawrence page. Um, about maybe something Parks and Rec is doing or that type of thing. In addition, we often share content from other sources. So uh, for instance, um, Douglas County Emergency Management, when they're posting information about storms or something, will share their posts um, and others as well. So we use the social media a lot. Um, and again, you know, not everybody's seeing all of these. So most people are probably seeing ones that they're specifically interested in and maybe following. So we're trying to figure out ways that we can share more of this more broadly as well. I will mention too, that we signed up for Nextdoor about two years ago, and it's been a really wonderful resource to be able to communicate more directly into the, the neighborhoods and community, which has been a great resource for us. And of course, arts and culture, this lists the uh, Cultural Arts Commission activities, sister cities. We have a cultural plan from way back in 2016. Um, Final Fridays in which we uh, partner with Explore Lawrence and they do most of the marketing for Final Fridays. And we did an economic study through Art and America, Art, Americans for the Arts, excuse me, um, the Arts and Economic Prosperity Study, um, which exists there as well. And I mentioned we work on the intranet. We provide this resource for staff, um, resources and tools um, that they can use for media and communication efforts, for uh, community engagement resources, and also for communications planning. So we provide this this way. And we also have some 365, Microsoft 365 pages that we also use internally so that people can access to various tools and make sure that they understand how they can work with us in, in communicating information out to the public. 
And then, as I mentioned, the uh, community satisfaction survey, we're working on getting this started as soon as we can, uh, working with the ETC Institute to implement a comprehensive community satisfaction survey uh, early this year. And um, I just wanted to mention that in 2022, one of the differences from 2019 is one, we've added questions related specifically to the strategic plan and related progress indicators. Um, but we are also working to oversample minority groups in town. These are residents of Lawrence who identify as black or African-American, American Indian and Alaskan native, Asian and Hispanic and Latino, and also include information related to our LGBTQIA plus community members. We're gonna work with ETC to oversample certain areas and neighborhoods specifically for this purpose to make sure that we hear from everybody. Also, we plan to have paper versions of the survey that we can work with our partners in the community who may be working with those people experiencing homelessness um, to ensure that they also can contribute to this survey process. And as I mentioned, um, emergency communications falls under our watch as well. Um, I serve as the city's PIO if and when required. I work closely with police and fire and med as part of the city's marketing team. And um, we work in the, through the National Incident Management System or NIMS, um, which I have certification as a public information officer and um, have studied the joint information system that is part of this um, National Incident Management System. Um, we also work closely with Douglas County Emergency Management. Um, I serve on the Douglas County Emergency uh, PIO team, as do several of our uh, team members here, and we participate actively in emergency exercises. As far, whoops, as, far as the future goes, um, on the communications and marketing side, we are very excited to be doing a brand refresh this year. Um, the current brand was finalized in 2007 and is, is dated. Um, I've been eyeing this for years now, trying to figure out how we can get a refresh and uh, this year we're able to do it. Um, this will help us bring our brand up to date and align it with the strategic plan. Uh, we conducted a national search and have a, selected a firm to completely review the current city brand, conduct community engagement to gain insight from the whole community and make sure they're reflected in that brand, and then refresh the city's brand and develop implementation plans specifically to do that. Um, so this is really a comprehensive approach at, at reviewing and updating our brand. Um, this process is, is, as I said, it started now. We'll be conducting it in 2022 and with an expected impl implementation in 2023. On the community engagement side, as I mentioned, uh, we plan to fill the engagement manager position as soon as possible and then develop a comprehensive community engagement plan that ties back to the strategic plan to continue developing and improving community engagement methods and efforts. And in arts and culture, as I mentioned, we're incrementally shifting arts and culture related boards and programs to unmistakable identity, um, and then integrate current and future programming into parks and recreation and their strategic plan. And that completes my presentation. Happy to answer questions. Mayor Shipley, any questions? Uh, Mayor Shipley, I did have one little one um, about the community satisfaction survey. 
I was trying to remember way, way back uh, the last time uh, there was one of these or something similar. Will we see that what that looks like before it goes out since you're working with another company to uh, generate that? Um, Porter Arneal, Director of Communications and Creative Resources. We are actually working, I was communicating with Ryan Murray, our liaison with ETC today, um, working on a, a updated draft. Um, what I did at the beginning of this month was reach out to the Outlook champions and the executive team to make sure that they are giving us any added questions that they want to include related to the strategic plan. And then we're working on drafting a final version of that. And um, you know, we can share that with the city commission just so you can see it. Um, happy to do that. And, um, you know, most of this ties back, the base is the 2019 ET survey. Um, so a lot of those questions will remain the same. And that of course is available on our website. So people can actually go back and take a look at that. Um, so that's, that's the process we're in. And like I said, I'm hoping to get that started. It takes about four months from start to finish once we actually launch the survey because it is a mailed survey. Commissioner Finkeldey, Porter, great presentation, by the way. Thank you and appreciate you and all of your staff um, and you know, everyone who, who does work in this area. Um, I know quite a few people have been trained in the IAP2. Just curious um, how that's being received and how it's being implemented and, and kind of what's the next step for that to keep it, you know, chugging along as it will. Thank you, Brad, um, or excuse me, Commissioner Finkeldey. Um, one is I would share that, you know, IAP2 is, is something we're using as a good base. Um, it is certainly not the only thing we're using. It's been great in helping us really understand that planning intentionally on the front end is invaluable. Um, and giving us tools to do that. So I dare say that that's, you know, one of the best trainings is their planning training just to really get everybody, whether they're actively doing community engagement or not, to understand the value of working hard on the front end to make sure that you plan these community engagements very conscientiously um, so that you can effectively implement them and, and glean the information you're looking for. And, and I think um, I've know I've spoken with a lot of people that they really now have a much better understanding of that. So that's been invaluable. Um, and then we also have techniques and tools that are um, part of those trainings as well that are really helpful in us, um, you know, thinking through and implementing the best practices. The other thing that IAP2 does offer is webinars. So we can stay up to date on, you know, current practices. I will actually share that um, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm interested in watching a webinar about the pros and cons of say an open, you know, an open meeting for a uh, community engagement. And so it's really giving us a resource and drilling into the weeds on this stuff. Um, so it's been very beneficial. And yeah, certainly uh, uh, we, we're seeing a, a good benefit and good impact across the city for that purpose. Hey, Porter, this is Commissioner Sellers. So in, in regards, following up on that with the IAP2, I know we've discussed it um, using it as a baseline for community engagement. Um, do you feel like that's a tool that is readily available to some of our boards and commissions that have that have the potential to do community engagement work or may have a desire to do that? Is that something we can offer 
all our boards and commissions, or do you feel like that is a good standard for our boards and commissions that want to do that work, or at least explore that within their their authority? We we can right now we have tools available for staff um, it's actually four documents we primarily use and we encourage people to fill out three of those worksheets as a starting point it's actually fascinating um, how many times i've been you know in a in an early meeting about community engagement and the one thing that's missing is definition of what is the decision that is to be made um, so simply getting clarity on what is this community engagement all about? And we have a worksheet that um, helps get to that. So we could share that information. If any board or commission was interested in using those tools, absolutely be happy to share those. Um, once we have the engagement manager position filled, they can probably do more work to make sure that boards and commissions have that information and some level of training. Part of it would be to meet with them and, and understand what they're trying to do. And of course they could have access through our community engagement team um, to say, we're trying to do a community engagement this way, how should we proceed? So certainly we can, we don't have anything formally developed at this point, but if somebody was interested, we'd be happy to work with them. This is Commissioner Sellers. I have an additional question in regards to the branding piece. Um, would could some of that work, or and I guess this is more of a, of a thought than a question in regards to the formatting and structure of our website. So, is there opportunity to explore with the branding, um, just how the design, the website design, can come into play with that, or? Is that something totally different from, or something that we're not thinking about in regards to the scope as it relates to the branding piece? We're absolutely thinking about that. It's a great question. And um, yes, that we, we believe will be part of the implementation process, uh, both to enhance it you know, through the brand refresh, but also look at options as to how can we make the website more, um, interact, you know, more beneficial and interactive. So that is certainly as part of the scope of this process. Mayor Shipley, any other comments or questions for staff? Uh, Commissioner Lodon, uh, I also wanted to echo a great presentation order and, uh, uh, and thank you for giving me a little peek, uh, sneak peek in an earlier presentation as well. Um, and I really, really did appreciate the, the part of uh, part of it where in the community, community engagement piece where uh, your, your acknowledgement of the need to oversample um, to uh, try to reach those communities that are usually underserved or um, underrepresented. So uh, I, I, I just wanted to let you know that, uh, um, that I, I noticed and it was very much appreciated. Thank you, Commissioner Littlejohn. I will add that um, I have to give kudos to, to Jeff Crick and uh, Micah in our GIS realm because it's amazing some of the tools through Esri and the census data that they have access to to help with that process um, to figure out how we can make sure that we um, target certain parts of our community to make sure we get to the right, right groups of people um, to get the right feedback because it is a statistically viable um, survey or statistically accurate survey. So we need to get certain numbers to make sure we, we achieve those levels. 
This is Vice Mayor Larson. Um, Porter, thanks for the for the presentation. Um, I was amazed at how involved um, it is. Um, I can remember just what two or three short years ago it was just you, and you were the only one that was doing um, doing the work. And uh, I never saw the detail that I'm seeing tonight as to what all that involves and how much that has grown. And it just shows the need that we have for making sure that our community engagement is the best that it can be. And I really appreciate the work that you and your staff are doing to, to bring that to force um, so that we do have that in our community. So thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Appreciate all your nice comments. Thank you. Mayor Shibley, let's make sure we don't have any public comment on this item. Porter, do you know which item you want to speak to? It's the second item. I think this okay. Second. No, <laughs> we do have some online though. Okay. I just I just want to introduce myself, give them a couple of brief ideas, and then I'm sending them over. Okay, it's the next item. Okay, you, oh. you point at me and I'll go. Okay. Yeah. Chris Flowers. Hi, this is Chris Flowers, and I'm. I'm kind of calling bullshit on some of this like engagement stuff because I'm going to go back to um, our our the push to ban 18 to 20 year olds from smoking. Um, has the city done any public outreach to that group about that? Because in that situation, you're taking away a group's right to to buy something. And I don't think the city's even done any outreach to them. And I mean, that's, that's kind of BS to me, I think. I mean, if you're going to take, a, and here's the other thing, You'd say you're doing it, you know, to, for the kids, you know, to keep them from smoking. But there are other ways to reduce smoking. Like in some town in Nebraska, they started um, to, in order to participate in sports, students had to do a clean urine test that you didn't have nicotine in your system. I mean, that is a possibility but the parents wouldn't want that but i mean do you think the 18 to 20 year olds do you think they would prefer that solution or do you think they prefer the solution that the city bans them from buying nicotine and i and i i think they'd i don't think 18 to 20 year olds want their rights taken away and i think the city knows that and i think the city's purposely not going to do any outreach to them because they know they're going to say leave my rights alone so i i mean and we just heard about all the avenues the city has for public engagement um has there been i mean you have the flame you have all this social media stuff now I, I I want the city to specifically outreach to 18 to 20, like specifically outreach to the college students about smoking. I mean, if 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 we're going to talk the talk, walk the walk and actually engage with the people you're trying to take their rights away from. So I guess that's the question I have. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the city is planning on specifically outreaching to 18 to to 20 year olds before y'all take away their rights to buy nicotine. So that's my question is, does the city plan on outreaching to 18, 20 year olds about their thoughts on the city taking away their ability to buy cigarettes? Thank you. 
Uh, Mayor, I don't see anyone else that wants to provide comment on this item. All right, Mayor Shipley, um, let's bring it back then to commission, make sure there's no other questions or comments or um, profuse thank yous uh, to Porter and his team. This is Commissioner Sellers, profuse thank yous to Porter and his team. Um, go ahead and get that <laughs> get that stated before I, I give my uh, question comment. I, I wanted to say um, that last year's GEAR conference, um, there was a particular workshop that I went to that talked about community engagement as it relates to community partners. So the relationship between the city and community partners as it relates to community engagement. And so not to, you know, take a phrase from last week to this week, get the cart before the horse, as um, Porter and his team um, with the onboarding of our community engagement manager, as we start to think through what the community engagement plan looks like. Um, that was one particular thing that just truly, that was an idea that excited me that there are local governments um, across the country who are um, strengthening their community engagement um, plans and programs by incorporating and collaborating with community partners to do this work side by side. And I think we've seen um, We've seen some of those opportunities um, present themselves naturally um, in a few items that we've uh, discussed um, in the 90 days that I've been on the job. And so um, just really would like to um, just keep that in the, the forethought, you know, the forethought and the, you know, of as we continue to look through this work. And one of the things I look forward to seeing and hopefully imagining what that could look like. And, um, you know, that came to mind when I was looking at the progress indicators um, for our citywide community engagement. And for number two, where it says of residents that have engaged with the city department in the past year and the percent who were satisfied with the overall quality of the service provided. And so I think at one, at first thought, you could think, oh, that's engagement with, you know, planning and development, uh, public works, uh, MSO, you know, whatever we would want to think about it. And I think that's one way that's half, you know, half right. But the other half of that is, um, as it relates to engagement, as we talked as commissions and boards talk to groups, as we, um, you know, continue to find innovative ways to speak to the community in regards to budgets, our downtown, all our master plans that we have, you know, what does that look like? And so just wanted to be able to share that to, you know, not necessarily see it come full circle, but to kind of plant the seed of it within that community engagement plan you know, what does collaboration with community partners look like? And, you know, whether that's a program, an initiative, or just an intentional act um, and how that's built out. So just wanted to be able to say that and um, again, plant that seed and and, and continue on with um, with what's moving forward in this, in this round. So again, thank you, Porter, profuse thank yous. And uh, <laughs> for all that your group is doing in transitioning, um, with this as well, so. Thank you, Commissioner Sellers. Uh, Mayor Shipley, before we carry on, I'm, I do see Derek Rogers on. Um, 
and I might want to ask um, him and Porter to talk a little bit about um, maybe at the surface of it, because it's not what we're used to, the idea of moving arts and culture to parks and recs may seem um, uncomfortable in ways, um, I believe in all of you. But um, I, I do recognize different um, uh, areas of expertise, perhaps things being added to uh, your um, area that may not be your personal expertise. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you're going to be able to absorb that? Hi, Commissioner uh, Ship, Mayor Shipley, uh, Barry Rogers, Director of Parks Recreation. Um, doing a lot of thinking of this as we're working on our um, RFP for a new master plan and uh, looking at how other communities have done this over time and um, we really are arts and culture in so many ways we just haven't really identified it as that if you look at events uh, you look at uh, the community concerts in the park the food festivals the special events the parades we have been part of arts and culture for a long time. Um, so this is just a, a way of aligning and giving some of these programs and processes a home where they, if somebody says, hey, what's going on with the Arts Center? What's going on with uh, Sister Cities or Freedom Frontiers um, National Heritage? You're going to know who the contact, and that's going to be the outcome team, Unmistakable Identity, and Oh, that um, for the city government, that's going to be a parks and rec. Let's give them a call instead of, well, some of this is with Porter. Some of it may be with an assistant city manager. And so we're really excited about this. Uh, we've been doing quite a bit, um, maybe even dabbling somewhat into social services. And we've divided that out to a different division, affordable housing and homelessness. So we're very excited about it. And I think uh, we're going to see good things and better things in the community in the future. Mayor Shipley, thank you very much. Porter, did you have anything to say about that? I concur. It's been a pleasure talking to Derek. It's been a learning process for both of us. Um, Derek has shared some information with me about other parks and recreation departments and some of the things that they're doing to integrate arts and culture into their systems. And I think to Derek's point, you know, dedicating staff to specific areas related to this is going to be invaluable. Um, right now it's, it's under, you know, as you saw many other things that I'm working on. So it's hard to, to focus on that. And some of this will also play out in, in how do boards and commissions want to work in these areas and how can we adapt, you know, according to the strategic plan, that's the biggest thing. How do we get this back to the strategic plan and do it with the intentionality that we've promised and make sure we're measuring it according to the strategic plan. So, um, and you know, this actually ties to the next presentation related to the public art resolution as well. So it's, that's timely. Uh, Mayor Shipley, thank you both very much. Um, I want to make sure there's no other uh, comments or questions from commissioners. And thank you again for your presentation and your hard work, um, your team, and looking forward to the transitions um, being focused. I really appreciate it. Um, we, the commission anyway, and some staff have been laboring away since five o'clock. So I want to be sure commissioners wouldn't like a little comfort break with someone like five minutes, 10 minutes. Does anyone have an opinion? 
This is Commissioner Sellers. Ten minutes would be nice. Very good, um, Sherry. I have seven ten. Uh, so if we could come back at seven twenty. I think I might be in the running for best auntie ever because in my 10 minute break, I was able to see my nephew's music concert. Talk about timing. Looks like we just need one more. Commissioner. All right, Mayor Shipley, looks like we're all here. I just want to welcome everyone back to the March 8th, 2022 uh, City Commission meeting. I do want to go ahead and take roll. Um, Vice Mayor Larson? Here. Commissioner Finkeldye? Here. Commissioner Littlejohn? Here. Commissioner Sellers? Present. Mayor Shipley here. Oh, no, I don't see. Oh, they're there. Sharon Porter. Oh, good. They're there. <laughs> Uh, good. Hopefully, I didn't uh, cut them out. Um, our uh, next item on our agenda is a work session. Work session provides an opportunity for City Commission to discuss items in greater detail. The Commission will take no binding action on items presented during this time. Work session topics are eligible for live public comment, each person limited to three minutes. And I believe this will be Porter again. It is me again, and I am still the Director of Communications and Creative Resources, and I'm going to share my screen here for you. Um, and this is on the on resolution number 7070, which is related to public art. Um, as you'll remember, at the January 18th meeting, uh, Commissioner Sellers asked to revisit Resolution 7070, the city's public art program policy, um, to review and interpret the implementation of the resolution as it relates to the strategic plan. So I put some information together here for you all. Um, I'm going to give you some history and overview uh, resolution review, which includes that resolution and the resolution related to the Lawrence Cultural Arts Commission, as well as administrative policy 45, and then just share the public art projects that we've done since 1988. So resolution 7070 Lawrence public art program or the 2% set aside was established in 1987 to fund the purchase and installation of visual arts in public places. Resolution 7070 currently governors, governs the program and authorizes the city commission to set aside up to 2% of the city's capital improvement costs for our art acquisition. It also makes the Lawrence Cultural Arts Commission responsible for the art selection process through an art selection committee 
and gives final approval of recommended selections to the city commission. Uh, the background on resolution 7140 is related to the Cultural Arts Commission. The Cultural Arts Commission was established by the city resolution by city resolutions 3951 in December 1973 to promote, encourage and coordinate the artistic and cultural activities of the community through recommendations made to the governing body of the city and through coordinating endeavors of those groups and organizations which identify themselves as primarily concerned with the artistic environment of Lawrence. Uh, resolution number 7140 was adopted in November 2015, which supersedes various other resolutions as listed here, um, starting with that resolution 3951 in 1973. This resolution instructs the Lawrence Cultural Arts Commission to recommend artworks for city purchase, to recommend and promote artistic events, to present awards for artistic endeavors, to make recommendations on the aesthetic environment for the community, and to conduct a review of plans, proposals, and projects relating to architecture, artworks, public art, and artistic events, and to present recommendations um, on them to the city. Uh, going back to resolution number 7070, that was adopted in 2015 as an update to the city's public art project policy, excuse me. It reaffirms resolution 5015 from 1986 and states, the Lawrence City Commission may annually set aside through bond or other budgetary procedures an amount not to exceed 2% of the cost of all capital improvements construction, constructed, acquired, or contracted for construction acquisition during the previous fiscal year for the acquisition, purchase, and installation of art in public places. Resolution 7070 is the third version of a similar resolution that was passed by the City Commission in 1986. Um, likewise, these all follow suit and basically reiterate the same information that we have currently. And then Administrative Policy 45 outlines the um, uh, this program and also who's responsible. So in this case, it's the definitions, capital improvements would be city buildings, including renovation, parking facilities, including parking lots, park improvements, park land and recreational facilities, all of which will require city funds in, ex in excess of $10,000 and are listed in the annual capital improvement plan. That's important. These are all CIP based projects. Um, and this is the eligibility. Um, the costs that are eligible, the contracted or engineers estimated amount of the city's contribution for public building construction or renovation, including land acquisition in the case of parkland and parking facilities. And art in public places is defined as pieces of visual art placed on public property selected by established procedures and approved by the Lawrence City Commission. Um, goes on to outline the procedures, which, you know, basically Im implementing a selection process that is implemented through the Lawrence Cultural Arts Commission um, with, uh, with final approval by the Lawrence City Commission, which is how we've done. Um, and then goes out to, you know, facilitate the placement of art in public places. The Lawrence Ar Arts Commission shall recommend the acquisition and placement of public art in accordance with an annual plan adopted by said commission and approved by the Lawrence City Commission. That is part of the budgetary process that we've been using. Uh, the Lawrence Arts Commission shall establish a subcommittee to recommend selection and placement of the art. 
This subcommittee shall be composed of, composed of a cross-section of the community and shall consider the following. Efforts will be made to obtain a majority of the artwork from local and regional sources. Art pieces will be selected by open competition, limited competition, and direct selection. Regional and national artists, as well as local artists, will be seriously considered. Projects conceived and executed by a design team, artist-architect collaboration, shall also be considered. Lawrence Cultural Arts Commission will develop programs to educate the community before and after the installation of an artwork. Lawrence Arts Commission is encouraged to work with private corporations for the development of programs providing works of art as part of any building construction. And then I won't go through this in detail, but this is a list of all the, the um, public art pro projects implemented through this program since 1988. Um, which is a two-page list, which is available here. Uh, most recent are the um, paradox paradoxical synapse, which was installed at the fire station fire station one renovation. Um, you know about the public art project at the police headquarters, and then we're working on the project for the transit facility. And just some images of some of the um, public art projects that have been done through this program. And just going back to uh, Commissioner Sellers, um, how should Resolution 77 be interpreted? So happy to answer questions. And I have uh, Randy Larkin here and Jeremy Wilmoth to speak to things that I am not as knowledgeable about. This is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, uh, Porter. I do appreciate uh, the presentation. I do have a couple of questions. I'm kind of toggling here between two screens, I'm gonna shrink one. Um, so within resolution 7070 and section one of the policy, um, we do have, I know what I was looking at, I know that we have, this is May, annual, May annually set aside um, through bond or other normal budgetary procedures amount not to exceed 2% of the cost. And so I know May gives the, the interpretation of um, that it's permissible to, or that we, we can and that we don't necessarily have to. And so I just, um, and I know Rand, you know, if, if Randy wants to speak to that and just looking at the, um, document that you shared that listed all this, the previous projects to date. I just didn't know if I've heard just between conversations when this has come up in previous city commission meetings that the items that we don't necessarily have to spend the 2% that we can spend less. Um, and so just wanted to know Randy's thoughts on that just to start. Yeah. Yes, this is Randy Larkin, deputy city attorney. That is correct. Uh, the use of the word may is permissive in the resolution. Uh, had it been shall, then it would have been mandatory. And so basically the city commission has discretion based on any wide number of factors to determine whether or not to reach that 2% uh, threshold. Commissioner Sellers, thank you, Randy. Um, my next question is in that same section in regards to the construction acquisition, so that the, so we could set aside up to 2% of the cost of CIP projects 
constructed, acquired, or contracted. And it says for construction acquisition during the previous fiscal years, so, 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 and so forth, of the installation of art in public spaces, in public places. And so my question is in regards, so an example, using the, our most recent example, the police, uh, the new police station. So that those dollars were utilized for an installation of art within the public building of that space. Is there anything that on a CIP project that would prevent us from, I shouldn't say prevent us, that um, a mandate might be a strong word, but requires us to place that installation on the very CIP project land. Jeremy Wilman, finance director. So there's nothing in the policy that, uh, that <clears throat> excuse me, requires the art project to be placed in the same location as the capital improvement project per se. Mm -hmm. uh, constraint comes from the bond covenants and the fact that the bond is only allowing um, what we've considered to be a, a contiguous to that project uh, to be an allowable bond expenditure. So to the extent that the city were to uh, transition funding from uh, general obligation and revenue bonds to any other revenue uh, available to the city, then that uh, co-location would not be a requirement under the current policy as I understand it. Thank you, Jeremy. This is Commissioner Sellers. Again, one more question and then I will yield to my um, fellow commissioners. Um, in that same line, the purchase and installation of art in public places, it, based on the list of previous um, installations, it seems to be, other than the mosaic benches, to be singular, is that the interpretation that we that this is a singular piece of art? Um, and is that and that might be is that determined by the um, the Lawrence Culture Arts Commission? I might be getting ahead of myself, but I and this might be a random question, but is it to be interpreted that the installation of art, meaning art singular or art as could be potentially be multiple pieces? This is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. Depending on how, on how the uh, committee decides, it, it could be multiple pieces, just as long as we comply with the bond requirements and place them where they're required to be placed. But the 2% the budget is the cap, and there's nothing that says what the art can or can't be underneath of it. The committee then makes recommendations to the City Commission, and the City Commission then you know, goes forward with it or whatever, however that's done. But anyway, there's nothing that says it has to be one singular piece of art. Commissioner Sellers, thank you. All right, I may have told a slight fib. I have one more slight question and then I'll yield to everyone else. Um, under section three procedures, um, it says that to, facil to facilitate the placement of art in public public places, geez, please, um, the Lawrence uh, Cultural Arts Commission shall recommend the acquisition and placement of public art in accordance with an annual plan adopted by said commission and approved by the Lawrence City Commission. So this might be a question for Porter or, or perhaps a staff liaison for the Cultural Arts Commission. Has 
that annual plan been adopted for this year? And if not, was there one adopted in 2021? This is Port Arneal, Director of Communications and Creative Resources. What we do is we go through the CIP and then bring a budgetary um, uh, information related to the eligible projects to the Art Commission, and then they make that recommendation as part of their budget. Um, so we don't have that for this year. Um, it, I will confess that um, COVID has interrupted some of these processes, but um, that's, you know, that's the method um, that we implement and that's how we've done these projects. Commissioner Sellers, if I may, regarding your question about multiple pieces, I can only speak to how I've implemented the program, but basically that decision is made at the committee level. Um, we start with a request for qualifications um, and so we're not asking for proposals out up front. We're asking for artists to submit their qualifications, meaning their portfolio, a letter of interest. And then the committee goes through and reviews those things and gets a sense of what type of artworks um, these artists are, you know, might be working toward based on their portfolio. And then from that, they determine whether they want to do multiple pieces or if they want to do one piece. Um, you know, for the library, for instance, there's multiple pieces there. Many people are probably familiar with the hanging piece in the atrium area, but that artist also created art um, glass pieces for the lighting in the building and also for the library sign out front. Um, so there's various approaches to this, and that's really determined primarily the committee level based on the response to the request for qualifications. Um, and often there's a story behind this, and I'll take yeah, I'll take a little moment to share. For Fire Station One, we actually the the committee selected another artist, and the art commission approved that artist. Unfortunately, that and that artist was going to do something integrated inside the building. Unfortunately, and that building had many challenges because it is a historic site. So there were limitations as to what we could do. Um, this artist had a great proposal. Unfortunately, um, her she had a health issue in her family and ultimately removed herself from the project. At that point, we went with the second artist, um, and that's the sculpture that's out in front of the facility currently. So sometimes things change during the process. Related to the police headquarters, I can share that the committee um, reviewed numerous artist proposals on that, uh, or not proposals, qualifications. And because it was deemed better to be on the park site, um, they decided that to use that budget for one piece made more sense because of the scale and scope of the, the overarching project and the, the benefit that that could provide to the site. So I just want to, you know, share that that's, that's done with intention and done at the committee level. And then, of course, the Cultural Arts Commission reviews that as well. This is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Porter, for that additional context. I appreciate it greatly. Sure. I, I, I yield to my fellow commissioners at this time. Mayor Shipley, any other questions? Commissioner Fingalai, a couple follow-ups follow -ups on the on the bond questions. I don't know if that's Jeremy or Randy or both, but um, one is a more technical question. First of all, is the transit facility being built with bonds or is it being built with, with savings? Jeremy Wellness Finance Director, um, I believe that that uh, facility is, is being built um, 
with um, transit transportation sales tax. I'm looking that up right now. Commissioner Finkel, that was my recollection too. So that wouldn't have that necessarily have the same restrictions as we sometimes have with the bond. And I guess my follow-up on a more traditional project, let's say the library or the, the, the police station, do we typically fund everything? You know, let's say it's a $10 million project, including architectural fees, um, you know, building it all, et cetera, fixtures, furnitures. Do we typically bond the full 10 million or do we spend some of it and only certain parts of that is, is bonded or bondable? Jeremy Wallet, finance director. Um, typically, it's the building, the physical plant that is uh, the bonded piece, and then the um, equipment, the uh, furniture, uh, those things that aren't attached to the physical building are uh, use other funds. So even for a typical building, was using some bond funds and the majority bond funds, obviously, but a smaller part of general fund or some other fund to pay for them already, correct? Chairman Wilmoth, finance director, that is correct. I did verify that the multimodal transit facility is predominantly public transit funds. There are some anticipated grant funds as well. Yes, Thank you. That's all my questions for now. Yeah, this is um, Vice Mayor Larson. Um, um, Jeremy, I did have a question uh, about um, the 2%, not to exceed the 2% as far as the section one of the policy. <clears throat> is it my understanding that that when we're looking at the capital improvement um, plan, that the limitation for the 2% is on actual buildings that are constructed, constructed as part of our CIP? <laughs> Jeremy Willen, finance director. I don't know that we've um, drawn that line in the sand. Traditionally, what Porter and I have done, at least for the last several years, is simply look at the total budget in the CIP for a given project and take in 2% of that amount. So I don't think we've parsed out design versus acquisition versus actual building construction cost. Thank you. Actually, um, uh, Vice Mayor Larson, again, <clears throat> I was, as I'm looking at the CIP for 2022, and, and it's got $57 million in it, um, when we are looking at this 2% for art or up to 2% for art, it it just applies to when we're actually doing a structure of some sort. Is that correct? Um, Jeremy, well, with finance director, I think Porter might have to jump in here, but I believe... I believe that is correct. Uh, yeah, it's uh, the definition is capital improvements, which includes city buildings, including renovation, parking facilities, including parking lots, park improvements, parkland, and recreational facilities, all of which will require city funds in excess of $10,000 and are listed in the annual capital improvements plan. So that's the eligibility that we've been looking for and reviewing um, to determine potential projects. Okay. Mayor Shipley, I might want to join the vice mayor in her line of questioning and maybe she and I saw the same thing. Um, and this might end up being unfortunately a Randy question. Sorry, Randy. Um, I got, after I read this, oh, so many times, I got a little caught up on the word all. Um, 
And uh, I don't know if that's the direction the vice mayor was going, but she's saying uh, all of the CIP projects for that year is 57 million, then we could in theory take 2% of that. Or even the list that Porter just read, if some of those things aren't specifically um, public buildings, land acquisition or parking lots, let's say that's half of that, we could take 2% of that. Um, it, it To me, it's actually quite broad here. That isn't how it's been interpreted, but Randy, I wonder if the word all here uh, left wiggle room that a word like each or any might have uh, changed the interpretation of. Uh, it could, this is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. It, it could, uh, the definition is pretty much controlled and that's how they've operated and how we've operated under it. But Theoretically, it could be interpreted interpreted that way, so that all projects within the CIP could be considered for the two percent. Obviously, it's at the discretion of the of the city commission. And again, there's limitations and restrictions depending on how it's funded. Um, Vice Mayor Larson, when you say um, it's dependent on how it's funded, uh, could you go into that a little bit more? This is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. As as uh, Jeremy stated, if it's if we use municipal bonds to fund a project, then the funds have to be used on that particular project or that particular property, and then we can't place art someplace else or redirect any of that money someplace else. It has to be located on that on that property. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Mayor Shipley, I, I, maybe I only find that problematic because it's not written out where we can see it. Um, I, I don't know any other. I mean, I I guess my concern is I, I do hear um, some opportunities that that's a large amount of money and to spend it on one thing when one could spend it on four things um, is... I mean, throughout the community, I want to involve equity in this in this conversation too. Um, we tend to put art uh, in certain places, um, and so I'm I'm wondering if we're thinking as hard as we can about um, how to be flexible in that. Not a question. Sorry. But I thought maybe we'd have a public comment and then bring it back full. Yeah, any other questions before we do public comment? I, I do believe we have one public commenter here. Sir. You can go right. Good evening. My name is Bob Dannon. I moved here from Chicago about two and a half years ago, and uh, I've never met Brad before, but uh, Mr. Finkeldy and I uh, had several phone conversations last year, um, which got me thinking more and more about the city. 
And uh, just real quickly, I've been in the art and picture framing business for 46 years in Chicago, Colorado, and back to Chicago and the Chicago suburbs. And uh, fortunately, I got to meet Porter tonight, so he and I will get to talk at some point. But one of the big things that I've noticed about with the articles in the newspaper and listening to you all talk is with maybe a little more community involvement, and don't ask me how at this point, but so many of the things you do probably could stand to get a better idea of what some of the people think about it. And I'm not going to talk to you about smoking or anything like that, but um, just just one example that I'm going to give you that has it really has nothing to do with art, but and then then I'll be quiet. But um, Mr. Finkeldy and I spoke on the phone last summer and about the parking spaces on the street that are being taken for people to sit in and drink and eat. Well, that shouldn't happen in November and December. The weather is normally warm enough but to eat outside, but people need those parking spaces to shop, which takes me to another idea real quickly. Too many of the employees and managers of the stores on Massachusetts Street park on the street. Those parking spaces are for shoppers. That's all I'll say about that. Getting, getting back to the art thing real quickly. Um, when I talk about community involvement, I think, and I, and I haven't looked at everything that I saw on this very impressive website that Porter presented, but grammar school kids can participate in some of these art projects. Not, not the sculptures, but ideas to paint in the walls and the under the and through the tunnels and things like that. I've seen it happen in Chicago and it it just brought more people out to everything. And the more people you bring out, whether it's for art or food, music, whatever, um, more people are gonna take a good feeling home with them. And, and the last thing that I'm gonna say is that um, I will be sending each and each and every one of you a letter in about a week, maybe less. Uh, to just present some ideas with these other things. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Dannett. Sherry, is there anyone else there in the room? Uh, there's no one else here in the room, Mayor. Okay. Um, is there anyone online who wants to comment on this issue? Mayor, no one has uh, raised their hand or turned on video, so it doesn't look like it. All right, thank you, Sherry. Let's bring it back to the commission then. Um, comments or further questions? Uh, Commissioner Littlejohn. <clears throat> so I'm just trying to work through this and given all that's been commented on before, um, it seems like there's a little bit more leeway um, if it hasn't been bonded uh, and, uh, you know, if it's, you know, that sort of infrastructure item. Um, and I was just probably, I guess, I'm not really sure who posed this to you in city staff. Given that leeway, uh, I did see uh, 
comment sent in by Mr. Lowenstein uh, regarding a, a couple of options that uh, he's seen uh, or you know participated in across the country. Uh, would uh, would would those any one of those be viable to us then? Um, I, I'm just just trying to formulate and think out loud on this. This is Porter, our new director of communications and creative resources. Um, it's a it's a good question, and um, I think currently the way this is structured, there are limitations. Um, I think when we look at public art programming, we have to think about what is the funding source, what is the mechanism, and then more importantly, what is the overarching program. Again, under current circumstances, I think you know this is limited in its its leeway. Um, I think Mr. Lowenstein actually presented in his um, information the idea of perhaps reaching out and doing more of a a master plan of some sort, a public art master plan um, that could look at what is the desire of the community through the Cultural Arts Commission, perhaps, and how how can we get there? So, you know, I guess it's a question of do you, is it better to retool this or to revisit the whole situation um, at some level? Now, there is a cost to that, and based on what I understand, we are not able to use current CIP funds to pay for something like that. So that would be a budgetary thing to look into. Um, and, you know, this also relates to my earlier presentation um, as related to unmistakable identity and how we're, you know, transitioning things according to the strategic plan. So I, I hope that gives you some insight. Um, there's, there's many, many examples of different kinds of programs out there. Some are tied directly to the city. Um, some are by ordinance, um, some are city community partnerships. So there's a multitude of possibilities. It's really just a matter of structuring it in the way that people want and figuring out how the mechanics of that works within the, the city system, if that makes sense. I'll stop there. There's, there's, I could share more, but probably not really helpful at this point. Thank you, Porter, that, that helped. You're welcome. Commissioner Finglai would add on to that, but push back a little bit. I mean, you know, clearly the bond is a limitation and clearly we, I wouldn't want to use transit funds to build something on the other side of town. I mean, it's, it's transit money. And so, you know, on the other hand, if I'm understanding it correctly, I mean, if we have a $15 million fire station and, you know, we might bond 14 million of that and spend a million dollars on architect's fees that aren't part of the bond, you know, I mean, we certainly, could say we spend a million dollars in architect fees plus twenty thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars in art someplace, and then use one hundred fifty thousand dollars from bonded money to put art. I mean, just making up numbers here. I mean, so I do think there is some flexibility there that you could use bonded money for a particular part of the project. Um, but to say to ourselves, you know, rather than a, you know, a, a three hundred thousand dollar art project using bonded funds, we dedicate $200,000 in bonded funds or pick a number and then use some money otherwise for some other art projects. Um, I think that's theoretically possible under this ordinance, but I do agree with Porter that, you know, um, it probably should be part of a bigger plan, not just kind of willy-nilly funding, 
you know, things. But I like some of, you know, David's ideas. I mean, those are things I think we should be thinking about um, all across the community, all, as Mayor Shipley said earlier, equitably placed. Um, and um, how do we get there? Um, and finally, I would say, you know, a couple commenters, we received comments from, um, at least via email, you know, 2% of a building project in 1986 and 2% of a building project now is a lot bigger, a lot different number. It's a really big number sometimes. And um, although art is probably also more expensive, I, you know, I do think we want to remember it's up to 2% or if we're going to change it, I'm open to some discussion on that, but um, make sure as we interpret this that it is up to 2% and it's up to the commission to make that decision. I'm not sure I always, I'm not sure I knew that before before I got on this project, I always thought we just did 2%. And so um, to have some more discussion about that as, as it comes up over time um, is certainly at the minimum what we should be thinking about. This is Vice Mayor Larson. And um, yeah, I think that's a strong point to make is up to 2% because um, <clears throat> that was something that I wasn't um, real clear on from the beginning, especially with the police building. But um, I didn't do my homework very well either. So that was on me, that part of it anyway. Um, but I think this is a subject that is really ripe for, for a, a strong community engagement to see what our community would like to see us do. Um, having read the definitions and a little bit more of the actual resolution, um, I think there is some room in there that that we could um, have, you know, artwork not so highly concentrated or so much money spent in, in one spot. And I think there's some opportunity there. And I would, I'd be interested in, in uh, making this more of a uh, open to a public engagement process. This is Commissioner Sellers. Um, so just to kind of go back, the rationale that I gave back in January for wanting to open this up um, was to discuss as a group the interpretation of, of the ordinance, um, but as well as to get us thinking critically about, and, and, and again, reimagining what this project could look like. And I think everyone has, has touched on different pieces that I'm excited came up in conversation. Um, um, whether it's about the interpretation of 2%. Now, I'm excited about the up to 2%. It does give us, you know, broad, it, it gives us the ability to, to, to check that or to, to if we don't want to um, use 2%, I don't want to, I don't want to see that as, oh, well, on this particular project, I don't want to use 2% on this. I think there's a, if there's a way as to what Commissioner Finkeldye brought up, to look at it from the pieces that are bond and those that are public dollars and kind of, you know, jostle around that, then the idea of limiting the percentage, um, I think makes it more palatable because then that'll give us opportunities to expand where we place art um, specific to Mr. Lowenstein's um, letter to us um, about putting art in places that we normally don't think to put art. And if this falls under unmistakable identity, we should not, you know, oftentimes where CIP projects are done, they're put in places that 
don't necessarily, the public don't always, I'm not saying the public don't always see, but they're not places where a lot of our community um, don't participate in. And Mr. Willestine brought that up in his letter as well. There's an opportunity to put art in places where we necessarily don't always think to, to place art. So um, my original desire was for us to be able to identif identify where in the strategic plan, what strategies and what indicators um, speak to that. And um, I don't want to say I, I find it difficult to find areas where it fits. I know it's not specifically called out, um, but I know that there are a couple of strategies and progress indicators I felt, you know, as it relates to art and art installation and what that, what Ordinance 77 7070 um, represents could be seen in the strategic plan, but I just don't feel like it's it's specifically called out. And so that's something that as we process through this second year of our strategic plan and knowing that this is a living document where there's opportunities to maybe update some indicators that speaks to a lot more to that cultural piece and the arts piece as well. So um, um, I just wanted to be able to share that because I know we didn't really talk too much on how, where we see this as a commission within the strategic plan under unmistakable identity. But um, you know, even with the timing of bringing this up, um, and looking at the resolution, I think there's some opportunities that like, like everyone has brought up to go in and, and maybe assess where we can examine pieces to amend. Um, and if that's something that's part of an agenda item that we look at, um, you know, I'm more than happy to move that or I'd like to get others input on it, but um, I think what we've discussed here is there's an opportunity to really modernize some of the language, even though it's seven years ish, to really figure out <laughs> how do we how do we want this to uh, be interpreted and, and and not to look at it as restrictive, but that it is even more inclusive and equitable in in uh, in opportunities to place art, you know, in a more wider um, uh, radius across our, our, our community. So. Uh, Commissioner Sows, this is Porter O'Neill, Director of Communication and Creative Resources. I just want to um, point out, I've heard the term ordinance stated a couple of times. This is not All an right. ordinance. It's a, it's a, yeah, I just think that's, and, and I don't mean to, that's just, I think it's important because I've talked to people in the community who think this is a requirement. And as we've you know discussed tonight, it's a resolution and it's not a requirement. And I think that's important. A lot of cities do have ordinances that are very specific as to how that funding works. And it is specifically set aside money from specific projects. This is not the same situation. So it is not a requirement. I think that's just an important distinction to make. This is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Porter. I would say that was my way of doing some subliminal messaging, but that was just that's the slipping gap. <laughs> Mayor Shipley, I think um, uh, there's a couple of valuable things that I've I've heard the last 20 minutes. One is um, the reminder of the age of this resolution 
and Porter's indication of what um, different things other communities are doing. Um, and so I don't know that um, maybe we haven't really looked comprehensively at things that are successful in other communities. Again, this is Lawrence. Not everything that other people do works here. I will always be the first person to say that. But um, there um, might be changes we could make here that are um, deeper, more comprehensive that would do what I imagine we all want, which is just to see a lot more art. I just want to see a lot more art around. I want to, I, I want to be having um experiences out in the community that i know are supporting local artists and in different kinds of art and different kinds even artists as the um the bylaws i think it indicate to consider artists from outside the community as well um i, I that's just it's a value that our community has. So I, I think it's it's fair to look at what is working in other places to generate um, lots of art experiences. This is Commissioner Sellers. I, I, and I know, Porter, you can probably speak more to this. I know that we have the, the cultural plan from, what does it look like, 20? I believe it was 2016. 2016. So, I mean, I, I can see where, you know, since we're moving arts and culture to Parks and Rec, and we know that Parks and Rec is in the process of looking at their master plan. So, I, you know, I would love to see, you know, this be a call out of that since, you know, this is a heavy piece of that. So, I mean, Parks and Rec within itself is, is very dense. Um, the arts and culture you know, should have a, within that master plan, should have a, a good portion of that. So um, I know Derek's on, I'm just smiling to say, whenever that master plan start process starts, don't forget about our arts and culture. Um, but I mean, because again, because of time, we now have a strategic plan. So not to say that the plan from 2016 is not relevant, um, but it would need to be aligned with our current strategic plan and that, might be, you know, a, a capacity issue that, you know, especially if we know a master plan is on its way, we, we don't need to do. But I mean, I know we have, we do have a culture plan for the community that could be a good point of reference and opportunities for us to identify some of the blind spots and gaps that don't align, that don't quite meet the standards of our strategic plan. Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation, as part of the scope of our RFP, that would be part of the review, would be look at our cultural plans and our comprehensive other plans in the city that relate. So that would be part of the scope. And when we get it ready, we'll bring it to the commission. You can see the scope and add edit change as you guys see fit and gals. Mayor Shipley, any further comments or, I mean, I hate to, hold on, let me look here who I've got. <laughs> uh, let's see if, 
Oh, nope, I've got Casey here. I don't see Craig, but I see Casey. Um, oh, no, I see Craig. There you are. Craig, I just want to make sure, I don't know, are, are we um, at a higher level? Are we giving you enough to be able to um, coordinate what we're hoping to expect to see? If, you know, maybe we want to interpret, interpret this as broadly as we can until we get some something new and that's um, driven by public engagement and and specifically driven by our um, um, strategic plans. Um, what what can we do to make this meaningful to staff in terms of that kind of gap area? Uh, City Manager Craig Owens. Uh, you mean the direction that you're trying to give tonight? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, City Manager Craig Owens, we do we do need to, you know, obviously there's there's a lot of planning work that's still happening. You heard uh, Derek talk about their planning and trying to get the, that put in place. The other piece that I, you know, I, I want us all to be always have on our shoulder or shoulder is um, our budget gap and um, the the CIP that we have. Um, and so, you know, these are this is important. This is important for us to keep on the radar with those conversations. So, um, so I guess what I'm saying is, if you're trying to give us direction tonight to, to do something different and new, um, be as explicit as you can on what you're trying to do. If you're just trying to elevate this and say, hey, I want to make sure that this is looked at as you continue to build these plans and work plans, um, then that would be good to know too. Because I think it will be, um, whether it's through the parks and culture, parks, recreation and culture plan, or it's through our capital improvements um, allocations. Um, we will be elevating this. So I don't know if I, I understood your question enough to give you a good response, but if we're if you're trying to give us clear direction tonight, I th I think give us some understanding of what specifically you're you're expecting and what kind of time frame you're looking at because this will be additional work to what we already are trying to manage. If I may, this is Vice Mayor Larson. Um, I am more interested in that you are that you are elevating this as you be, as you continue with the discussions in Parks and Rec as them taking over this whole whole process, um, the, the um, arts arts and culture. So I'm I'm glad to hear that that you're saying that that it's something that you can elevate to make sure that's all part of the conversation as we look at this and uh, continue to look at this resolution more closely um, to make sure that it is more um, put into um, effect with our strategic plan as well as our within the Parks and Rec Department. Uh, this is Commissioner Littlejohn. Uh, although, I mean, I, I agree with, of course, I agree with uh, Vice Mayor Larson on elevating it as well. Um, what should we use maybe the transit facility as a test case on, you know, what Commissioner Sellers has brought forward and uh, maybe, I don't know, since since that one is coming up the soonest um, and that's this budget year, looks like 2022, 
um, in terms of public engagement or maybe um, since that is, uh, you know, it wouldn't be necessarily bonded dollars um, or is that is that too soon? I, I'm, I guess I'm just posing that question to you, Craig. Uh, look, Commissioner Littlejohn, let me step in here. So we've already implemented a selection process for that project um, and actually recently selected an artist. Um, so I think that's already happened. And, you know, I think it's important, while I completely understand the, the, the concept being explored here of, you know, where else can we do art? In that particular case, I would dare say that the public art aspect of that building is really a great opportunity to enhance the building, which is part of what the program is all about, is adding art to a facility that is a very public facility. And um, I, I won't say uh, I, I, what the art will be, although I have a notion, but I think it's going to be a great solution for that particular project. And we've been working closely with Adam and his team on that as well. So I uh, just want to let you know that that's already kind of, that, that opportunity is passed. Okay. Thank you for it. I appreciate that. Uh, I just thought I'd throw it out there. I appreciate it. Commissioner Finkelheim, I do think um, along that th thought process of both of you, which is we're about to embark on the 2023 budget. And so I don't know if there's going to be anything in the 2023 budget that's going to include this. Um, but I think if there is, I think that's a time to highlight, you know, what, you know, how, how, how do we make the 2% calculation? What are we spending it on? What kind of money is it? There might not be anything in the 2023 budget. I'm not sure we'll build anything in 2023 that qualifies under the current resolution, but, um, you know, I, I do think, I think, I guess what I'm, my thought process is, it seems like maybe in the, over the last several years, we've just gotten into a um, habit of, 2% on the building at the location, same process every time. Um, and let's just keep the the ordinance is broader than that. So let's keep our eyes open and think think that through um, as we make any of those decisions. This is Commissioner Sellers. I don't know if I'm ending, but I will share this um, to echo the sentiments of Vice Mayor Larson. Um, I am happy to, to hear that the resolution and um, public arts and our percent art is being woven and blended into conversations, um, elevated or woke, blended, however you want to call it, into conversations, especially now that we are in um, the budget season and for us to, to be aware of that. And so um, I am pleased to hear that. I think for me, where we stand with the resolution, um, I, I didn't see us taking a direct action or a direct charge to staff tonight and um, to Commissioner Finkeldy's point and to something that Vice Mayor Larson alluded to, this was quite educated. This was quite educative for many of us as far as understanding how we interpret um, how we interpret our resolutions and our ordinances, and how we put that into process and action, and even in how we think of that as commissioners. So um, I'm excited and I'm glad we had this opportunity 
um, for Porter to present and for us to, to discuss this um, in a way that um, has us all thinking of how can we reimagine um, the resolution um, to, again, be inclusive and, and equitable in how we see fit. So that was a moment I wanted to point to. Um, and also just learning about just the funding mechanism and what the funding looks like and how that can guide us in making recommendations for this in the future. And um, also the selection process. Um, I know Porter, you spoke to that. And I, I think for me as a commissioner, understanding the role that our arts and culture commission um, plays in that and how does that selection process um, as it relates to, you know, portfolios received for, from artists and uh, whatnot, what does that look like and how do we make sure that that aligns with um, some of the strategies and indicators within our strategic plan around unmistakable identity? You know, are we casting a wide net? Are we, you know, are we looking and are we using a, a, a similar pattern to engage artists, but we're not thinking about opportunities to look at it in a different way. So I think tonight's presentation looks at it from the commissioner administrative, you know, the commissioner's piece as well as the administrative piece on how these two work together. And um, hopefully it's given us all a little bit of food for thought as we move into the budget, budget, budget season and how this is implemented and what it could mean as far as guiding some of the work um, that Derek and his team will do as they build out their master plan. Commissioner thank you. Any other comments or direction? All right. Well, thank you again to Porter and Derek and Randy. Um, uh, oh, and Jeremy, there you are, uh, for their uh, help and edifying us in this conversation. Thank you so much. Um, our next item is commission items. Does anyone have any commission items? This is Vice Mayor Larson. I do have a, a couple of items that I would like to, to bring up. Um, and these are uh, around the topic of public safety. Um, with our new commission on board, um, I've been um, together about three months. And so I would really appreciate the opportunity to, to have a discussion on some um, items that the old commission talked about quite a bit. And, and one of those is the eight can't wait program. We had some pretty significant discussions about that. And then also um, just some other policy work that the other, that our old commission did um, concerning policing. I would like to bring that forward and to hear what our commissioners, this commission has to say about that and in what direction they think we should be going. And the other item is, um, I know our legal staff is working on this, and this is a decriminalization of poverty. I'd like to get an update and possibly have a discussion of that with the new commission. Um, and then the final items revolve around the um, CityGate report. Um, if we could sometime get on the calendar, an update on, on that from our new police chief. And I know he's only been here a couple, not even two months, but I'm sure would like to hear where he is at with that. And then also with the recommendation from the city group um, report regarding the work group. Um, I know in the report, it indicated that the, the recommendation was that the work group be put together immediately to begin um, work on the subject of the ordinance and, and other things. Um, but we're into it 10 months now and I haven't heard any progress on where this work group is at or if it's been formed yet. So I would sure appreciate information on that. That's all I got. 
Mayor Shipley, I appreciate you bringing up a can't wait again. My recollection was that at that time, two commissioners were uh, really wanting to push that um, more and no other commissioners were um, interested at that time. So I'm glad some community members um, asked you to bring that forward to us. Um, I have an item about the group uh, or the uh, meeting we have with the county and the school district we talked about before. Um, I did speak with one uh, county commissioner who pointed out something interesting to me I hadn't thought about, which was that the county commissioners don't just have one school district, they have multiple school districts and that um, they weren't objecting to meeting with um, the school district and the city at the same time, but that it was um, unusual and maybe somewhat uneven and suggested maybe we just meet with the county separately with the school district. Um, so I wanted to see if other commissioners um, felt that way or could see that as being maybe more um, uh, manageable in terms of, of a meeting with our partners. Commissioner Finkelheim, well, I, I would say I think that it makes sense. I can see that from the county's point of view and, you know, they have several school districts to work with. And so, and just for scheduling purposes, it's easier too. So, um, <laughs> and I guess while I have the floor, I'd also say, you know, I agree getting an update on some of those items from Commissioner Lawson at some point is obviously would be good. I'm sure they're being worked on, but, uh, you know, getting that update when appropriate is certainly support that. This is Commissioner Sellers. Um, I don't have any objections to just a city county meeting. I know we have some items on our future agenda um, that directly align with um, collaborative projects. So um, it might behoove us to take advantage of that and, and meet with them possibly before the start of the, the nitty gritty part of the budget season. So, um, and, and to Commissioner Finkelheim's point, um, it may become a little bit tenuous when looking at adding school districts um, representation to that as well. Um, and I appreciate um, Vice Mayor Larson uh, bringing up um, those future commission items. I know those are things that um, prior to my joining of the commission that I've kept a keen eye on um, and watched several of our um, city commission meetings from last year in regards to those discussions with the city gate group and our commissioners. And so um, as it relates to the recommendations and eight can't wait, I know that's something that uh, many of, um, of um, I know many from the political action group with NAACP have brought that up and shared with several city commissioners. So uh, I'm glad that um, Commissioner Larson got to jump on that and wanted to make sure we had that on our agenda and I concur with that. Um, I would also add to that. I know um, um, Interim Chief Hefley did give a presentation on the um, forward facing um, community engagement uh, site that the police department has. And so um, maybe to include that, just an update if there's been any, um, you know, if there's been updates to the, to the site, um, feedback that's been received. Um, I know that it was in its developing stages uh, when he gave the presentation, but that is now live and active. Um, so it would be nice to, to get a, um, 
to include that in um, that presentation as well, whether that's a work session or it's an action um, agenda item. So, Mayor Shibley, did you mean the dashboard? The dashboard, yes. Sorry. Mayor, this is Sherry Reedeman, City Clerk. Is there a timeline for all of these different items that are you're wanting? I mean, how soon are you wanting this to come back for at least an update? And Mayor, if if I may, along the same lines, um, I was waiting for everybody to kind of chime in. So I'm wondering if we're, we're trying to get these outcome team presentations in a regular pace and safe and secure really covers all of this and the work of the that team and that group, it, it certainly encompasses all of these areas. Would it be acceptable to um, make sure that we cover that in the next safe and secure outcome team meeting. And I can even pro promote that to maybe May. Um, it, it'll be updates of it also than the discussion that could, and we hope will ensue uh, with the commission and uh, during that time. Would that be adequate? I don't want to try and steer it a different direction. Yeah, uh, personally, that um, would, would be fine to me. Um, I don't know in what capacity um, the new chief is already working with some of these groups and discussing some of these things, because obviously he's still meeting some uh, members of the public. So I don't know um, to what extent there might be some progress on some of these issues made between now and May, so. Yeah, this is Vice Mayor Larson. I think if we could get it in May, that would be great. I think if we could put them, um, I think it makes sense to put them all together and just make sure we cover each one of them. I think that I'm, I'm okay with that. I don't know what everybody else thinks. This is Commissioner Sellers. Um, I agree with Craig. I think it needs to, if we're going to do it, then it needs to come when we have our safe and secure presentation. So that would be, that would be the direction I would like to see us go with that. Great, Mayor Shibley. Uh, any other commission items? Okay. Yeah, Michelle, Go ahead. Finkel die, not an action item. Just wanted to say two things. One, um, Mayor Shipley was in a fine present, a fine community theater program this last month. Threads weaving the tapestry of Lawrence um, that was put on by Rick Abel and at the Lawrence Arts Center. Lots of talented people, including Mayor Shipley and several of our school board members. But um, for those who didn't see it, I learned a lot about Lawrence history and a, and a lot about different perspectives. So um, thank you to the whole cast and crew who put that together. Um, I think it was a good learning experience and also very entertaining and, and uh, appreciate that, Mayor Shipley. I also saw that it's Casey Toomey's birthday. And so I'm glad that she is on I, you know, her video's off, so she might be eating cake otherwise, but I would like to, oh, she's even in her office on her birthday, so quickly waiting for us to finish our discussion so she can celebrate. So happy birthday, Casey. Thanks for all you do. Happy birthday, Casey. What's your favorite cupcake flavor? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, excellent. Um, let's go ahead to the city managers report. Thank you, City Manager Craig Owens. Um, the only item I'll draw your attention to on this is the that we do plan on returning back to um, live meetings back there with Sherry and Porter again, and Kurt, always Kurt. Uh, and um, so we're making arrangements to do that, even, even though we've gone into the green um, health conditions with COVID, um, we wanna make sure that we, we get ready to be back in and that everything works really well when we go back into that. So April, the first meeting in April is when we'll return to that. Uh, then the other one is the last item uh, there that is just the upcoming items and we'll we'll um, change around the order to put safe and secure in there in May um, and then happy to have any answer any questions or get any comments on that. Uh, Mayor Shipley, if there's no questions comments let's this is a comment i had a public comment item let's make sure sherry there's no one there in the audience Doesn't no mayor <laughs> uh, is there an, anyone online uh, remaining who would want to give a comment on the city manager's report no mayor not seeing anything okay thank you so much let's go ahead and move on to the calendar then any items from commissioners for the calendar or corrections? Nope, not hearing or see anything. Um, I guess that brings us to the end of our evening. Any uh, motions? Commissioner Finkel, I move to adjourn. Commissioner Larson, second. Uh, Mayor Shipley, uh, I have a first and a second. Um, Commissioner Fingledy. Aye. Vice Mayor Larson. Aye. Uh, Commissioner Littlejohn. Aye. Commissioner Sellers. Aye. Goodbye, everyone. Have a good evening. Happy birthday, Casey. <laughs>